You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. My name is Ben, and uh, I'm here with I'm here with Ben. Double Ben Day. It's a double it's Ben all Day. Ben's. It's Ben squared. It's uh. It's Ben's. Uh, it's all Ben's. Uh, no, we're here uh, with uh, uh, Ben Hardman, Ben Sternkey, co-founders of Gravity Leadership, and uh, excited to bring you the first interview in our Desert uh, Stories series. Um, if you haven't listened to the introduction to this episode, you maybe go back and uh, listen to that. Uh, it came out last week. I think we just called it Desert Stories or something like that. We shared a little little bit of our suffering in ministry. <laughs> a little bit of our <laughs> stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit of our stories. And so um, this is uh, one from Dan. Um, anything you want to say about this interview? Yeah. I yeah, was actually I, not on this interview, so I, I don't know how this went. It was awesome. It, I think it was really <laughs> awesome because you weren't on it. It was what really, <laughs> no, uh, we miss you terribly. We miss you oh, terribly. It okay. would have been, right. Thank you so uh, much. it was probably one of our weaker episodes because you weren't on it. <laughs> no, uh, no, Dan is, uh, Dan's a really good friend of mine. Yeah. He's in Kansas city, uh, has pastored a really large church there in Kansas city for many, uh-huh. many years and has uh, just transitioned into a new role. And so he talks a little bit about that transition and kind of okay. what that looks like. And a uh, really unique part of Dan's story is uh, pastoring a really large church. I mean, we're going mega, mega here, not just mega, mega. I, yeah, like bigger than what you think when you okay. say big not church. Like 40, 45. 50, yeah, bigger than, th- yeah, bigger 40, than they have 48 people. No, uh, no, it's a, it's a really, lo- thousands okay. of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Dan uh, just felt like there was something going on in the posture of his leadership that he needed to pay attention to. Hmm. and uh, just felt like there was something off kilter or something out of sync with him. Hmm. Uh, and he actually fasted from the stage for a year. Hmm. Uh, just decided, I the stage is doing a bad work in me, and I want to fast from the stage for a year. So it's a fascinating story. Dan's a, a great storyteller, so tells lots of stories. Okay. A really great guy and, and one of the highest character 
leaders I know. And so great interview of him talking through some of his ministry challenges and how he got through it and getting real in the middle of all those. Great. Well, uh, I can't wait to listen to it. Um, I uh, also wanted to bring uh, to y'all our listeners' attention. Um, we, you know, we've had to cancel several. A part of what we do at Gravity is do these workshops where we travel around and um, we'll do workshops and boot camps and live events. Um, and it's become a really, um, uh, I don't know, important part of what we do. Um, a really integral part. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's tons of fun. So um, we're sort of pretty bummed out. We're still right in the middle of uh, COVID uh, quarantine, um, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. Stay at home. Basically, it's not wise uh, to have uh, large gatherings or even small ones at this point. And so we've been kind of bummed about that, uh, not being able to go. We were going to go. It's to- not good for the live event industry. <laughs> right, right. You're right they're having, they're having a rough time yeah and so so anyway so we were bummed that we couldn't we were going to go to albuquerque and boulder and a bunch of other places um and we couldn't bring our workshops there so uh, we thought what would it look like for us to take some of these workshops online and so we're translating some of the content uh we're trying to make it a little bit more timely and so we've we've brought we've just scheduled um and uh actually just um recently worked out a few kinks in the registration process that came to my attention as somebody tried to register. Um, but um, just scheduled these workshops. We're doing one on May 9th, uh, Saturday, uh, online workshop via Zoom conference call on May 9th from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern time called the Enneagram and Stress Transformation through, through Crisis. Uh, so That's we'll talk good. a little bit about the you know, the Enneagram in general. So if you want to learn about the Enneagram, you can come to that. Um, but also if you want to learn about how each Enneagram type uh, tends to operate under stress and um, in conflict and crisis um, and what we can learn about ourselves uh, by looking at uh, those things through the Enneagram and really lay out a strategy for how to continue, instead of just going into survival mode, um, how to use the the stuff that's coming out of us um, using the Enneagram as a lens to be able to look at that and see it as an opportunity for transformation. Yeah, that's great. So that's May 9th. And then May 16th, the week after that, um, same time, 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll put links in the show notes. We're doing um, kind of a version of our parenting workshop called Parenting in a Pandemic, Grace and Truth in Quarantine. Does it um, talk about Xbox sharing? Is there a, <laughs> right. is there a lot of information about how to divide yeah. up the Xbox? Because yeah. that's the biggest battle that's going on at my home right now. <laughs> yes, there's seven or eight minutes that we're devoting to Xbox. To, to Xbox? Yeah. Okay, good. Specifically, good. yeah. I'll and be then, there. Yeah, but 15 to the PlayStation sharing because that's oh, way more yeah. complicated. Yeah, yeah, because the controllers are bigger. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I, I just made <laughs> Something it up like that. So anyway, it's uh, an, another version of our parenting workshop, but um, that that's been a lot of a lot of people's realization is just like, oh man, like we were kind of doing okay, I thought as parents, and now we just have to rethink everything. There's all this structure that uh, needs to be reset. So anyway, um, I hope you guys Great. will check those out. Um, and uh, one of the opportunities that we're seeing in this time of uh, Corona tide, as uh, as I like to call it, is that. Um, now that we're sort of taking these events online, you don't actually need need to live near where we're doing one of these events yeah. uh, to participate. And so I'm hopeful y'all will check those things out. Uh, do email us if you have any questions, but I hope to see you at one of our online events. Yeah, right. a lot of people have been saying to us like, hey, when are you coming to 
Right. Yeah. Wherever. Can you come Wyoming. Here? When? Why are you doing <laughs> right. no? Why? Where? Yeah. Why have you never been to South Dakota? Yeah. Well, Greenland. now we're going to be in your home. There's no yeah. excuse. We're going to yeah. be in your face in your if home. You've got, if you've got an internet connection, you can join us uh, for one of these online workshops. So. Yeah. Anyway, well, those are going to be great. Really. Helpful yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I think they'll be fun. And uh, and do um, I, I received several emails um, just this week about people interested in getting into a Gravity Leadership Academy cohort. Uh, do reach out if you are interested in that. Uh, we're going to get one of those started this month, uh, God willing. All right. Yeah. That let's it? do it. Let's get right. to the interview. Here we go. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. This is Matt Tebby. I'm here with Ben Hartman. I'm here. And we are in the middle of our series uh, on desert stories. Um, basically, just uh, memoirs, if you will, of ministry wounds and places where we've encountered darkness, difficulty, uh, sometimes disaster, all the D words. And uh, today... Uh, speaking of D words, uh, we have a hey. friend. Of- <laughs> we have well a- done. See the witty banter is <laughs> that's. I'm telling you, Matt. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's like a s- unmarketable skill. It got me in <laughs> trouble in like eighth grade a whole lot. <laughs> Lit- a- did alliteration get you in trouble or just witty banter? Mm, no, no, my. I, being unable to control the thoughts coming out of my mouth mm. was the thing that got me in trouble a lot. Most teenagers anyway, don't struggle uh, with that. No. <laughs> uh, Dan Diebel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Awesome to be with you. Yep. Uh, Dan, could you introduce yourself uh, to our listeners, where you're at, what you spend your time doing? Yeah. Well, um, I am married to Elise. We've been married almost 17 years. I am from Long Beach, California originally, and then this is, uh, this is the Great Ascent is what I call that. I went to school at Westmont College, Santa Barbara, yeah. lived there for a bit, then my company moved me to Hawaii, so you're getting a sense of the ascent, mm. right? Long Beach, Santa mm. Barbara, just going right up, right up there, and from Hawaii, I moved to Kansas. <laughs> yeah, buddy. As you do. Yeah. I bet that was awesome. And I met myself, uh, a Missouri girl named Elise, and today we have three brave daughters, Mia, Brianna, and Hadley. They are ages 12, 12, and 11. Mm. Wow. Uh, twins? Yeah, see, I was just noticed the pause Let me do the math there. <laughs> like, I think it's possible to have two 12-year-olds at the same time. <laughs> like, I don't want to say anything wrong here, but something about that's not adding up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, no, but our oldest daughter we adopted from China, and that's Mia. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our story, we we thought uh, having biological children was improbable after all the many tests that one goes through. But we were um, fortunate to get pregnant uh, and had Brianna, who's our middle daughter. We had her six months before we got matched, and I got on a plane with my mom, because my wife Elise couldn't go because we had a six-month-old, hmm. uh, got on a plane to, to China. Little did we know that when I did that, when I boarded that plane, we were also pregnant with Hadley, our third. So, 
Unbelievable. You want to you want to talk about disorientation, my friend. <laughs> that sounds like a construction. Yeah, that sounds like a desert story right there, all, man. All the D's were Dude, in you play. Were, you were in the valley of the shadow of the diapers, right? <laughs> For like oh, man. four straight years. Dude, I would show up to uh, to meetings, early morning meetings, and I'd have like you know, I, it was an informal one and a hoodie or whatever, and it would be a meeting. I'd pull out like baby powder out of one of my pockets or literally a, a diaper out of another is just it was what you do yeah i remember that time when it was futile to wear clean clothes mm-hmm. yes. and so you had like this you had like a, a minimum viable spit up spot on your shirt if you had like two or right. less you're just like i'm rolling with this <laughs> yeah, you know totally. this possible. one works and I'm guessing uh, this is true in my life and for many of uh, your listeners. Th- this is when you are planting churches. <laughs> you know, it's right in that, it, it's like right in that stage when you're taking some massive hill. Um, you've, uh, you've created a beautiful, blessed mess in your own, in your own world. And, uh, and I emphasize beautiful and blessed. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we want to hear uh, some of your story, Dan. Um, Ben, uh, Ben, you want to set that up for us? Yeah, yeah, Dan, I, I'm so excited you're here. Dan's a good friend and somebody that I have just tons of respect for. He's an amazing communicator and uh, and leader, and uh, has been walking through kind of a an interesting season of ministry, um, and a, a season that uh, I we've kind of been processing and walking through a little bit. And so, Dan, I'd I'd love for you just to kind of share. Um, Share a little bit about your ministry story. So planting churches with with little ones, uh, as we all do, uh, and uh, and and what kind of happened after that? Uh, you guys, you're in Kansas. You've you've made the awesome move from Long Beach to Hawaii to Kansas City, and uh, what what happened then? Yeah, well, I I came out in 1998 to Kansas, and. Um, I was with a company and, and the promise was this, they, they had sent me to Hawaii for a short term assignment and they're like, Hey, um, good job. Think your work is done there. I said, yeah, well, we want to send you to either. And I'll never forget these four markets, Boston, New York, LA, which is the area I'm from or Argentina. And I said, (laughs) I said, okay. And they said, but, but we haven't quite closed those deals. So I was in business development and it was a customer loyalty business that, that, I, that I was in. And um, so doing project management stuff. And they said, but we haven't quite uh, sealed the deal. So why don't you just move to Kansas where they were headquartered and then we'll send you right back out. And hmm. I said, all right. And I was at, and it's interesting to tell the story given wh- where I am now. I was at a wave the white flag moment in my life. Uh, I literally I was on Hawaii. I was living on an island. Island fever is legit. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I had lost a, a sense of who I was. I was uh, unplugged from my community, and I and I was going through my own disorientation. I was trying at the time as single. I was trying to date a girl who lived in Baltimore. <laughs> emphasis on the word trying. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so I I finally just got to this uh, this surrender moment of okay God have your way with me have your way with her and I'll even move to Kansas. You know, it was that thing, but for three months, for three months was, was my, was my kind of internal deal. And if they don't send me any of those cool markets then I'll just quit and go find something else. Well, three months to the day 
um, arrive. I'm, I'm in Kansas. My boss and I leave our office at the same time, get in our own respective cars. We come to a stoplight. He rolls down his window and he says, hey, you heard we sold L.A. I said, yes. He goes, well, that job is yours. We're going to send you home. And before the light turned green, I looked at him. I said, can I manage it from here? And let's not forget, here means Kansas. <laughs> and he says, uh, yeah. And I said, well, that's what I want to do. Light turns green. I drive away. It was one of those blank moments, you know, one of those Malcolm Gladwell blank moments. And I'm like, everything about it felt right, but I had no clue as to why. I wasn't dating anybody, uh, but I had gotten connected in this church called Heartland Community Church, where I got to sniff out, um, unlike any other church I'd experienced, sniff out this leadership laboratory developmental um, full throttle for those far from God. Mm. Um, authentic place that they're like, you know, I always thought the church growing up, I thought the church was to make Christians do gooder, you know, and I thought mm -hmm. leading people to Jesus was young life's job. And I'd never seen a place so bent towards we'll, we'll inconvenience ourselves for the sake of someone that doesn't know the secret handshake mm -hmm. of churchgoers. And it was captivating. It took me a while to just kind of go, is this real? And it was large. It, it blew all my kind of my, you know, paradigms of what I thought an authentic church was. It was big. It was a seeker, quote unquote, church. It had all the labels that I didn't like, but I couldn't step away from it. And um, so I'll fast forward for you now. Within seven years of that first day, the reason I went for the first time is I had a roommate. Uh, he was an awesome guy. He was a USC frat boy from LA. Our moms knew each other. We got, we, we met at an in and out and decided to be roommates. And he said, Hey, I go to this church. It's really cool. There's a lot of hot women. And that's not how we would say it today. I know, but that's how he said it. It was the nineties, Dan. It was the nineties. Uh, yeah, it was, it was It's how churches promoted themselves. It, and it worked. And I said, okay, fully suspecting I'd go somewhere else for real church. But, um, but I walked in the doors and um, was blown away and intrigued. And, and, um, and then seven years later, my, the founding, I'd come on staff. I was leading the singles ministry, ironically enough, <laughs> um, as one does. And, um, and uh, the founding pastor called me into his office, told me to close the door, which he never, he never said. Oh boy. And he said, I, um, God's leading me to, to go do something else and I want to hand you the baton of leadership. And I mean, literally the room started spinning. I, I knew that, uh, you know, in the future I'd want to either plant a church or that maybe my future was to grow within that church into more leadership and responsibility. But that was at least five years away. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm newly married. Elise and I, um, were married under a year. We had no children. I'm still figuring stuff out. I'd obviously left the marketplace because we can come back to that if that's helpful. But um, so I, it, was, it was great. I, I, I call my wife. I say, honey, I got big news. And, and she goes, well, uh, tell me. I go, no, no, I got to do this in person. And so I, she goes, well, I'm in the backyard. Come, come find me. So I, I go find her in the backyard. It's springtime. So she's watering the flowers. And at the time in, our, in Heartland's history, we're growing. We're, we, we have parking problems. We're parking people, you know, blocks away. We've got two shuttle lots, you know, et cetera. 
And um, so growth is exciting, but it's creating real challenges. And my wife has been a consultant with Accenture for many years. So she thinks problem to solution. She does not think encouragement. Um, So (laughs) I say to her, she's like, what's your big news? And I say, "Um, well, Craig is moving on to this, that, and the other. And he wants me to become the next lead pastor of Heartland. My wife thinks about it for about three seconds, kind of cocks her head, and she says, well, that should solve the parking problem. <laughs> Dude. That's a, Dan, that's a, I don't know anything else about your story, but I, I feel confident enough to say this. You've got a fantastic wife. Dude, you are so <laughs> right, man. I mean, that... And, and it would, you know, it took me three hours to get over that, that comment took her three months and we have been on a beautiful (laughs) journey. And, um, and even now where I am, uh, she's just, she too is so brave and such a champ and, and exactly what I need. Yeah. Mm. So you, Mm. you step into this, you said yes then, right? You, you recovered from the, from the wife's, uh, loving jab. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then and uh, and then we started having babies, and decided at the same time that we would uh, we'd move to about eleven miles away as a church community, and that I would say was the high water mark uh, in terms of the joy of what we're doing. Heartland's always been a church planning, um, you know, leadership factory, and and uh, and that was more less on my watch than on our found founding pastor's watch. But we just knew we we needed kind of bigger. Um, bigger launching pad. And so we moved into an old Sam's club about 10 years ago. Mm. And um, it was, it was a, another beautiful kind of surrender moment in the life of our family and in our, our church family. But so all told, I, um, I had been a part of the church in one form or another for close to 20 years and been leading the church mm. for 15 until uh, January 31st of this year. Yeah. So what? T- tell us what led up to January thirty first of this year. Kind of the processing that went into that, and uh, what was going on. Uh, the church continued to grow. You're going to understate that, but the church continued to grow. The parking lot problems continued to happen. The stress of ministry, I'm assuming, uh, was there, and there was probably beauty and brokenness in the midst of all of that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and you reached a point, was it, was it about a year ago or, or two years ago where you just started processing and thinking, Hey man, yeah, maybe I, there's something else or what, what should I be doing here? Yeah. If anyone's gone through the unique journey, you know, you put it all on a timeline and the first 10 years were just a blast. Um, just running through brick walls, hair on fire, you know, and, uh, steam coming out of your ears and, and, um, but then on the timeline, the last five years, um, there was there was very little. I mean, obviously there were really good moments and meaningful moments, but in terms of just like, man, that was a defining moment. That was a massive breakthrough for us as a community. Mm. Um, it, it was the timeline was pretty blank. In fact, there were things un, you know on the the low marks of of the of the last five years. So there were some really hard things, and so. Yeah, Ben, we were growing except for when we weren't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, I, I've, always, I've always defaulted towards, you know, 
the graph has to go up and to the right, up and to the right. And if it's not going up and to the right, something's wrong with us and something's wrong with me. And my mm. inability to distinguish between the two, I think, grow, grew increasingly difficult. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Pause, That's gold right yeah, there. Pause, yeah, we need to talk about that. Can you say yeah. that again, Dan? The, the inability to distinguish between what two realities? Between um, the... What what felt like failure because we weren't growing either at the cleat the clipper or pace that I thought we should, or we weren't growing at all. I mean, the last the last few years we've been experiencing decline, mm. and so how to navigate that um, as the leader of a community and as a per- personal um, identity thing, and and how to distinguish between those two. Um, grew increasingly difficult and became difficult on the team because I didn't know how to navigate those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny about identity. It's a ghostly thing because we all teach about identity. You know, we all know that we're the beloved son or daughter of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that that's our grounded, anchored, most centered place, but we can so easily fool ourselves into thinking we got that figured out. Hmm. Um, and it, and it, and it, and it works pretty well when, when things are growing and going, but then there's just great exposure to the, to the hollowness of it when things stop growing, at least at the, the ways that you, you think they should be. Yeah. So in that, in that season where things weren't growing and things were not happening at the rate that they had happened before, uh, what are the what are the lies that you started believing? What were the what was the voice of the enemy giving you in that season? What were the what were the identity crises that you were kind of wrestling with? Yeah, uh, there, there's been so many um, so many kind of revelations, kairoses, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, what my counselor would would say is that I would go from shame to blame. So the shame of I am doing something wrong, that must mean I am wrong. So mm-hmm. I suffered a real confidence in leadership. Um, and then the blame part was, uh, then I'd swing to the other side and just, just say, well, so-and-so is not doing this, or the team's not doing that, and if only we had this, that, or the other. Um, so uh, kind of a victim mentality. I think fairly well disguised, but certainly mm. felt by by the by the team in moments and it, it grew increasingly hard you know um i've just been blessed with a with a, an associate pastor on our staff his name is tom bronner who is my spiritual director which oh, sounds wow. weird as lead pastor how do you you know yeah. how do you do that to somebody uh that ultimately p- reports up to and through you or up to you um but it's just the unique nature of um of 20 years of friendship and partnership, but hmm. what he, he was able to just offer me some truth and say, Dan, there, there is the dreaming catalytic leader in you. Um, you know, picture a triangle. So that, that's the, that's the part of you that's really beautiful. But then there's, then there's the Dan who um, really is going to go after what he wants, no matter what anyone says. And then there's increasingly the shutdown Dan. Hmm. And, we're experiencing all three of those things, but my words, not his, but probably those last two things more 
than the first thing. Cause it, cause it was just this, Tom, help me understand. I need you to tell me the truth. What is it like to be led by me? Mm. Dan, that, uh, I just want to p- uh, just point out that is so rare. Yes. So rare that a leader is curious about how their staff experiences them, especially rare in seasons of stress and um, decline and when, when, when that leader's freaking out. Um, I, I, I've talked to so many people who, the, the, one of their main complaints is that the people they report to don't have any self-awareness or any curiosity to become aware. Mm. Um, and so I think, I think that, that just that you had that relationship with uh, somebody who we, you know, the world will call a subordinate who was able, yeah. who you were able to submit yourself to in love. And he was able to share those things with you. That's just, that's powerful. It's beautiful. Well, what's the, and uh, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it, it, it's, it's just a matter of when you come up against your own limits enough and what's the adage, you know, when, when the pain of not changing exceeds, uh, what's that adage? Yeah, when the, when the pain of not changing exceeds the pain of, uh, when the pain of not changing, wait, when the pain of staying the same yes. is less than, I'm sorry, it exceeds the pain of changing. <laughs> we're going to get, we got it. In. We got, we, basically, we got it. basically we, what you're saying is you were, basically you, <laughs> you were forced into it because the, what you were doing at the time was so not working. It was becoming increasingly unbearable for you. So there was a little bit of yeah. desperation, I hear. Yeah, just coming to the end of myself. I think part of it's middle age. You know, if you've read um, David Brooks' book, The Second Mountain, yeah. or Richard Rohr, Falling Forward, I mean, all those things like, oh, you know, that this whole thing's inescapable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I've been in that place of... Um, both coming up against my own limits, knowing that to some degree, but not to the full extent, and then receiving feedback from those closest to me, um, telling me things that weren't computing with my idea of myself. And that's, and, and ultimately, you know, you put it all together, you know, being at the time 45, 46, 47 years of age, um, seeing, seeing the hard facts, the numbers, having enough conversations with um, with people who, and I don't want to overly paint, um, the desert here. I'm a lot of beautiful things have been happening, um, (laughs) growth in a lot of areas, but we all know that conversation when a leader leaves the church or a hard conversation with a colleague or any of those things, I was just having enough of those to say my idea of myself and the feedback I'm receiving from others are not aligning. And that's, that's where I, I came to Tom and said, help me reconcile this. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, 
visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. I think there's something really interesting in what you're naming here that a lot of leaders don't do, which is recognizing the levers that you tried to pull with your in your leadership because of what you were processing personally. Yeah. Uh, so what happens oftentimes for us is we're not getting the breakthrough that we want. Uh, the growth isn't happening. There's been some failure that's happening. And we start pulling levers to kind of make sure that that doesn't happen. Totally. But those levers aren't necessarily the levers that the father's asking us to pull. They're right. more about our own insecurities or our own wounds or our own brokenness. And so as a leader, and this is kind of what we do at Gravity Leadership, is is we've got to figure out how to get in touch with our own self enough to know when we're pulling the wrong levers and when we're trying to make something happen out of our insecurities or our wounds or our brokenness. Uh, And so that entire story just illustrates an awareness of what was happening inside of me was actually impacting the leadership, the way I was leading my team and the way that I was leading the church. Totally. I wish I knew about you and gravity leadership (laughs) three years ago. This would have been so helpful Um, because you're, you're so spot on. I mean, three plus years ago, we're looking at the numbers. We're on a retreat. And, um, you know, as, as the lead leader, no one takes those things more personally. It doesn't matter where the gaps are in the church, in any kind of facet, under any kind of ministry, you own those things, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, we shouldn't, at least I should say, I own those things. It was all personal and it was all painful. So I walk away from a retreat like that and I go, all right. And Ben, you're spot on. What, what are those levers? All right. Well, I'm just going to go teach the most killer series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to market the heck out of that. You know, all those Try harder. machinistic, mechanistic things. And so I tried that for a year and a half. And honestly, I think some of my, um, whether it came from a, a you know, broken place, I know it did. But uh, I mean, I think some of my best sermons came during that, that mm-hmm. time. But I still came to the end of myself. And I still had this moment where, okay, God, this isn't about, you know, cranking the volunteer engine back up. This isn't about better services on Sunday. This isn't about this. Like if you are going to breathe life into your church, first of all, you get to define what that life is. I don't. Mm, Yes. And secondly, you're the source of that life. I'm not. I'm not the oh, self-generator. On, I'm not the self-creator. And, you know, mm-hmm. we know those things, but we don't know those things. And yeah. that's where the desert is so fruitful and helpful. Yeah, it's like a severe mercy. You know, there it's, you go. it's like you're, we call it a hustle. So, like, you, you yeah. weren't consciously totally. trying to draw your life from how successful your ministry was. But when the nope. ministry started tanking, it was revealed. You realized, mm-hmm. why am I miserable? Why am I cranky? Why am I being a jerk to everybody? <laughs> You know, right? Um, because something's threatened. Like my why am I why am I keying cars and why am I you know <laughs> stealing hood ornaments? What what's going on? Why am I taking candy for my children? <laughs> well, 
There's that's a, just called dad tax. There is a candy tax, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. just yeah. That's there just dad go. tax. Yeah, that's okay. So Dan, it's that's like in Leviticus. Like you wouldn't wish. Like I mean, we've been through seasons like this too. This is why we're so interested in this conversation. There's gold. There's gold in the wilderness, and it's mm-hmm. like simultaneously, like you wouldn't wish it upon anybody, but you would never not want to have gone through it. And so, oh, so true. You know. So so then maybe, okay. So then your last day was a few months ago. How did you? Well, can we, Dan, can you tell a little bit about what you decided to do about a year ago? Because I, oh. I, I've never heard of a leader doing this. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, provided that, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about uh, those listening here today, and the outcome is the best possible outcome. But if I, if I heard, if I was listening to this a year ago, it's not the outcome I would want to hear. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, uh, maybe, maybe just a little more context. So in the midst of yeah. all this struggle is also this call, this nudge promptings to return to the marketplace, entrepreneurial nudges that turn into literal dreams that I can't shake. And I'm just sensing my, my heart kind of going more and more, when, you know, Beekner would say, you know, listen to your life. When I start listening to my life, I'm going, okay, how do I spend my free time? Well, it's listening to business podcasts and how I built mm. this, you know, and I'm reading business books. In my free time, I'm meeting with entrepreneurs. And during my sabbatical, I'm writing a business plan and all of these things. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you know, the kingdom is large enough. Uh, Heartland is gracious enough and gets the vision of, kind of a kingdom mindset. Um, and, and so I, I never f- once for a second thought that all these dreams would be um, something that would cause me to leave Heartland. Um, but nonetheless, I had to pay attention to them. And, um, and, and so what I'm finding is I'm waking up in the morning dreaming less and less for Heartland and more and more for these other things, and I can't figure out why. Hmm. And that that what I would say would be the deepest why. In the midst of all the struggle and the interpersonal, um, that might be the deepest fruit. But the deepest kind of why in terms of where I am now is because of this, this these, these things that started as inklings that have moved to a, a real material reality where I'm like, I have to steward those dreams, and I have to acknowledge that God has has kind of shut the valve on my ability to dream for Heartland. And that was a really, really hard thing. So um, for five years and then three years increasingly, and then the last uh, 12 months, um, things were getting hard and dreams were going beyond the Heartland walls. And I went on a vacation and was able to cobble together, you know, a study leave and two weeks of vacation and a few extra weeks. Cause I just, I knew and was counseled by Tom, like, Hey man, you need some time. <laughs> I, I know I need time. So I got about five or six weeks and, and I went to Colorado, did a solo solitude trip, went with my family to Florida, did all the things and came back. I would describe it as full and empty. And the fullness was, I felt so close to Jesus, the tenderness, the nearness, the intimacy, the groundedness, that was the fullness. The emptiness was, I have nothing to give 
our church. Hmm. Now, what didn't surprise me was, you know, leadership is hard and to jump back into the grind. I knew I wouldn't look forward to that. That was no surprise. What surprised me was that I didn't even have vision for the upcoming teaching series. Um, and this is a really important thing just in my story because communicating and teaching for me has just always been a passion since I was in high school and even before. And never once had I experienced something like this. You go in waves on the leadership stuff, but I could always go away for two weeks at, at the most and just be chomping at the bit to teach again. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that for the first time. And it really caught my attention. It didn't freak me out because I was just like, okay, I know this is in me. I know this is a part of how God's made me. So I know at some point it's going to come back. But what's going on right now? Jesus, you were trying to get my attention in a really severe way. So I went to Tom. Um, my, my first day back, first Sunday back from my six weeks, we met early Sunday morning. And I just said, I think Jesus is calling me to a crazy idea. I think he's asking me to fast from the stage for a while. And Tom in classic Tom fashion said, well, let's remove the word crazy. And let's just, let's just sit with this. And the more we sat with it, the more we just said, yeah, I, I think that's what he's calling me to and brought in a few others. And we discerned that I was thinking a couple of months, but really it became the whole rest of the year. So full, another what really amounted to six months total of being away from where I felt most comfortable, where I felt was my sweetest spot and my safest place. And it was a real, it was a real gut check um, from an identity level, from a control level, from a what's going to happen level to the church from, I mean, there was a full detox that was required and Ben, you and I, um, we did some uh, communicate co- communication coaching. What in um, was it September? So this would have been like a month in mm-hmm. during that time. Uh, still pretty early on, um, but it was very disorienting for me. And what I learned, um, among many things, one, God was He was detoxing me not just from unhealthy patterns, um, but He was detoxing me from, or maybe the better word is weaning me Mm. from needing it all to work out with Heartland and these other dreams and trying to kind of make everything go together. Because what I was really trying to do was mitigate my risk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that maybe. But on the personal level, what I heard the Lord say through many, many months was, Hey Dan, I know that you, that that no matter how hard things are on the leadership side, I know no matter what's blowing up here or there or other places, you can always go to the stage on Sunday and feel right with the world and feel right within yourself. That is your safest place. That is your equilibrium. And what I just felt like the Lord saying is, but I want to be your safest place. Who, buddy? So, so you're saying there's. There's almost this comfortability, almost an addiction to the stage even, to where the task of ministry or the work of leadership can become the center of what we're doing versus 
Jesus, who actually is supposed to be the center of, of everything. Yeah. 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 And I so, think it's different for everybody. I mean, for, for yeah. some, you know, you, you, you might be t- teaching every week, but that's not your, your biggest jam. You know, it might be leading coaching huddles. It might be, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, whatever your sweet spot is. Um, Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> Um, I've heard that's for true instance. for some. <laughs> for instance, <laughs> that's true of Matt. Matt loves spreadsheets. Uh, I can't even spell Excel. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you fasted from the stage, and and then that fast. Did, did you gain clarity about your future, about the church? What what happened as a result of that fast? Yeah. Well, the the personal clarity was just you know, Jesus calling me back to Him in a really unique way. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. There was this weaning, and, and I think a differentiation was happening. Um, and I think the Lord was preparing the body as as much as He was preparing me as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it, and it's it's it is totally like a detoxification. I mean, yeah. I think even chemically, my 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 whole rhythm. You know, I've I've likened it to if you're a baseball fan, it's like a starting pitcher. You know, not every five days, but it's every seven days yes. and there's, there is a full hardcore regiment where my body would just like, my, mm. you ask my girls what a Saturday afternoon was like, well, 3 PM dad's gone. He's, he's going through his, his regiment of getting ready by 8 PM. My wife's like, and Dan's out, you know, he's out for sleep. Like everything was structured around Sunday, the Sunday or the weekend experience. Yeah. And my sense of well being, if I didn't feel good about, where my talk was by, by Tuesday, I, you, you know, it was obvious, you know, so everything was kind of, <laughs> you're laughing because you like, you mean, Dan, you were a jerk. I'm, I'm laughing because I know, <laughs> I know this, like I, yeah. I've experienced this too. Yeah. Um, and so there was literally like a physiological detoxification along with um, existential. Uh, mm. So all that was happening the body was uh, being weaned, the body being Heartland. Um, and that necessary differentiation for me to, to look at what God was doing, what God was saying. And, you know, as I, as I prepared for reentry, um, things were, grew more complicated uh, as a leadership team. Uh, they grew more um, complex and confusing interpersonally, there were just a lot of hard things. Um, and I think in part, God was, was like, I know that two things need to be true. The compulsion of the dreams that you have outside the walls of Heartland um, are super strong, but maybe not strong enough for you to really jump into this unknown. And mm-hmm. so we're going to crank up the pot here and make it just uncomfortable enough you know, for both those things to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me to, to finally let go. And so on the first week of January, we went away as a leadership team to finalize a strategic planning process that we had been in for over a year. And it's an absolutely beautiful plan. And I couldn't see myself in it. Hmm. And that's when I knew. Yeah. Well, that's great. And man. so when you knew, uh, did you decided to tell your staff or, what, like, how did you deliver that message to your wife, to your staff, and what was the response? 
Well, uh, <laughs> the experience with Elise, quite a journey. Um, so I shared the earlier story about um, how she thinks about problem. She moves from problem to solution. Well, um, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, preparing her in these bits and pieces for years. Everything from, honey, look, there's a cultural earthquake going on. The landscape of how we understand church from an ecclesiological perspective is changing. And 10 years from now, I was saying this five years ago or so, uh, the idea of a pastor being paid full time, I think is going to be completely an archaic thought. I think us having, um, you know, even housing allowances and, and all those things could change. We need to think differently and more missionally about um, how we live by vocation, whether that's by vocation, co-vocation, freelance hustle, all that stuff. And, and she would nod her head and then she'd, in her words, then she'd stick her head in the sand and just assume that nothing ever is ever going to change. And I did a bad job continuing the conversation and uh, she <laughs> would kind of live in this, in her words, place of denial. So in Florida, last June or July, we're on the balcony of our hotel and um, I revisit with her. Well, I actually, I think for the first time, I say, honey, I'm wondering if my time is coming to an end at Heartland. And man, she about wanted to throw me off the balcony. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a long two drives home, two days of driving home from Florida. And it was a, I would really describe it as a beautiful six month journey of the Lord working in our story and in our marriage, unlike ever before in the last 17 years. Hmm. really, really hard, really, really painful. She's seeing me coming alive as I'm moving towards these other things. And she was able to say to me, and I feel like I'm dying inside. Yeah. And me uh -huh. having to say to her, I'm not going to go without you, but I need you to join me in just being open to what God might be doing here. Yeah. And man, when I, when I used the word brave earlier, she's been She's been so brave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, she's not cut out for it. You know, the, the funniest thing is she wanted to marry a, a doctor, you know, who was six foot three with hair. <laughs> <laughs> so and, she's used to disappointment is what you're saying. <laughs> well, right. You know, she had to die to her, to her own dreams to, to marry me. And we laugh about it, but it was really true. She really did. Yeah. And, um, and now, all she wishes she could be is married to a pastor now oh because for her entrepreneur means unemployed, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so she's just been so beautiful of going through her own surrender. And here's the thing about surrender. You cannot dictate your own terms. No. Like in the metaphor of war, so often I think in, in our lives as leaders and in the Christian life, we use the word surrender just as this platitude, but it's really about, manipulating God to mm. exert our own control. Come on, Dan. Oh, boy. When surrender is a free fall, and you literally just have to go, I'm waving the white flag here. Yeah. I have no idea. It's like the worst song from Frozen 2, you know, Into the <laughs> Unknown, you know, and, and right, and you're just like, it's scary, it's freaky, but there is this sense of being fully alive. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and that's happening in me and and that's 
that's happening, Elise would say, I'm, I'm behind you. I'm not right there with you. She said, I felt closer to you when we were grieving together, mm. when we were grieving the loss of, of mm. letting go of Heartland. And I'm now trying to catch up to you and your enthusiasm and excitement. It was funny a couple months ago. I mean, this has been so painful, guys. A couple months ago, I said to her, I just said, honey, I never dreamt we could be this close together. I never dreamt we could experience this kind of intimacy. And if, it, if, if to experience what we have now would mean that we'd have to do this all over again, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Mm. And she looked at me and said, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, and um, so we've been on that journey. Uh, yeah. And it's been beautiful. Um, so good, Dan. Thank, Dan, thanks for sharing all of this and just being so vulnerable. And I, I feel like there is a healing that begins to take place in our hearts as leaders when we realize we're not alone when we're wrestling through this stuff, yeah. uh, that other people are experiencing these same deserts and same wounds. And then I feel like hearing from somebody who has a depth uh, and an understanding to what they walk through in the desert and how they're still processing that versus hearing cliches is so important. Yeah. We just get a lot of cliches in the desert. And uh, so I, navigating your story and, and just sharing it, I think is so redemptive and healing and helpful for our listeners. What advice would you give, just real quick, what advice would you give to a pastor who's just in a place where it's like, I, I'm not waking up dreaming about the church anymore. I'm not excited to preach on Sundays. I'm, I'm wounded and I'm recognizing some stuff inside of me. Um, what, you know, quick piece of advice would you offer to that leader right now? Yeah. I, I mean, there's no formula for it. Uh, I fully expected that I was going to come back from my time away and, um, had a totally different outcome envisioned in my mind. Um, that that could be the case for somebody else. It it might not mean six months away. It might mean six days. It, you know, there's no formula for this. I, I just think, mm -hmm. what does it look like to truly surrender to the Lord? Um, and who who's with you in that place that yes. can tell you the full truth because yes. they love you that much? Yes. Yeah, it's good. Um, and and I and I think that takes a village. I, you know, I think really good counseling. <laughs> is really important therapy. <laughs> yes, really for important. every pastor. Yeah, hundred yeah, um, percent. I think spiritual director um, is essential in that, and then I think really close friends walking it through with you. Um, and so that's what I'd say. And then, and then I just want to, I just want to bring encouragement. There, wh whatever the Lord is doing, there is fruit in that place. And whether you want to think summer, spring, winter, fall, and, and in the winter, like so much is happening in wintertime. We just can't see it. And, and I'm in the place where I'm just getting that springtime buds of it. I'm not, I'm not healed. I'm not, I don't have it all figured out. But I am, I am beginning to experience that sense of the freedom that comes from surrender. And the power that comes from making a decision. I think one of the most painful things that I've experienced that I think so many people experience is being in a place of indecision. Yeah, par paralysis, yeah. 
Yeah. And um, so one of my favorite quotes, and I'll, I'll maybe close with this, is from Soren Kierkegaard. And he writes about, he basically says, what is it that will take you out of the malaise, the monotony, and the rote habits of just your ordinary life that you're growing less and less interested in by the minute and hour? And he says, it's to quiet, what, what will break you of that? And he says, it's to quietly make a decision. And um, I actually, I pulled this. I just, want, I just want to read just a couple of lines, if I may. Yeah. Come on. Come on. He says this. This is just so, this is so awesome. He says, a decision joins us to the eternal. A decision brings what is eternal into time. A decision raises us with a shock from the slumber of monotony. A decision breaks the magic spell of custom. A decision breaks the long row of weary thoughts. A decision pronounces its blessing upon even the weakest beginning, as long as it is a real beginning. Decision is the awakening to the eternal. It's uh, beautiful. Buddy. Yeah, let, let, let's let that be a benediction to us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. May, may fear and blame and shame not shackle you from participating in the eternity that God has waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, right on. thanks, Dan. Yeah, Dan, thanks so much, buddy. Pleasure, guys. A lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.